0: Hey everyone, it's Ask Time and we have some great questions. What do we do if someone in our family is transgender? Also, when did sin enter heaven? And uh, other things as well. So make sure you stay tuned for this episode of Ask. Welcome back once again. I'm Pastor Jamie at Cornerstone Church. This is our episode of Ask where you the viewer you put in our website cornerstonebv.org you go to the media page drop down you can put in a, uh you can put in ask you can put in your question about bible faith or life Um, and uh, before I get to the three questions I do want to make mention that um, most of them are anonymous so the person who uh, I answered the question about guns last week and you responded and I just wanted to let you know got that response really appreciate your input and and the way um, you responded as well there wasn't a question in there so we'll leave it at that but I do want to let you know Uh, hopefully you're watching all right all right let's get to the first question of today uh, for this week Pastor Jamie there is no sin in heaven right Was there ever sin there? I'm confused how Lucifer, one of the higher angels, sinned against God. Where did the sin come from? I know Satan, but was he Satan in heaven? If so, how did that happen if there is no sin in heaven? I guess, uh, what came first? The rebellion in heaven, Satan versus God, or the Garden of Eden? I think I even confused myself with this question. (laughs) Good luck. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, So... We, we can look at a lot of places in the Bible. Um, I'm not going to go over all of it about Satan and Lucifer, but um, certainly we can learn all we need to know about the origin of our great adversary, right? Um, quote, Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's from Matthew 25, 41. So in this passage, Jesus, what he does is he gives us a look into the future and what awaits Satan. It, this short verse also confirms a few things suggested about, the, uh, about Satan. So, consider, right, that, that in that passage we see Jesus confirms that Satan does exist. Right, He was created as an angel and all angels were created to bring God glory. He led other angels, we call now demons, into rebellion towards God. Those angels are now, as I said, referred to as demons and they work for him. Right? So he and his demons, they will eventually be punished in eternal fire because of this rebellion and this sin. Uh, so also in Luke 10, I saw uh, Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In this verse, Jesus is talking about the authority he gives to his disciples over Satan and his demons. So what do we learn about Satan, though, Right, from from the words that Jesus said? First, Christ was a witness to—he he knows an actual time in which the rebellious and sinful angels were cast out of heaven. So, first, he is a created being, meaning Satan and his demons, who was—they were part of the host of angels. And second, they led—Satan uh, led these other angels into rebellion because of wicked pride. And third, Satan and his demons are not as powerful as God. He has prepared a lake of fire for their everlasting torment. And it's out of this evil, prideful, and wicked origin that all of mankind needs to be aware of Satan and because of the work he's doing in the world today. So their sin was before Adam's, but it's different because they're angels, not people. There is, never, there is and never will be redemption for demons and their leader, the devil. Um, okay, second question. Two of my uh, brother's young adult children have embraced the lie of transgenderism. How do we deal with it? They've changed their names from male to female. They've been undergoing medical and surgical treatment to change their true identity, in quotes. We love them, but are having a very difficult time relating to them and calling them by their new names feels wrong, Um, but they've made it clear that they feel persecuted and unaccepted if their old names, they call them dead names, I suppose, are used. How do we show them Christ's love and acceptance without compromising what we know to be true? This is a huge challenge, um, relatively new challenge, but it's something all of us, right, are gonna need to figure this out for one reason or another. So in your case, this is family, but it's also not your children. It might make it a little bit differently. Your role in their life determines how you, you relate to them, right? That's how it is. In this case, using a name they ask, for, I don't think is out of the question. I don't see a reason to offend them needlessly over a name. Do your best to love them and respect them, um, and if that means using a different name and it kind of makes you uncomfortable, then you do it. You overlook uh, some of that confusion. Then it's a worthy sacrifice on your part, right? Your love for them can go as far as it takes you until they ask you to do something that violates your faith principles, right? Show them love and respect, but if they ask your opinion on the subject, and you need to lovingly give them the truth. They might not like it, but if you have been willing to love and respect them as best as you can, they will probably, probably, still respect you back. If not, there's nothing you can do about it. Truth is truth, and at a certain point, if someone's gonna hate us for truth, they have to. Um, So what we have to do, in other words, is treat people who like this with love and respect for as much as we can. But if they demand we say it's okay, that, uh, that we simply cannot do that because that would be a lie. Lastly on this, if you earn a spot, in quotes, in their life, that shows them you love them, but you have different views, Uh, while still loving them, then when life crashes all around them, they might come to you. And it will happen. That kind of life is not sustainable because it covers up a lot of brokenness and pain that is bound to show up eventually in their life. So hopefully, if you are regularly praying for the opportunity to speak in their life, then they'll come to you uh, and it'll be a great opportunity to share the truth that is redemption and love is found in Jesus Christ. Okay, last question for this week, can you explain what 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4 speaks about specifically? Sure. Here's the verse that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. In quotes, I know a, a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows verse 4 and he heard things that cannot be told which man may not utter all right so remember context is everything and the context here is that paul feels compelled to the corinthian church to defend his credentials see false teachers were coming to town and were attacking paul mightily at that time in uh, in the city of corinth and paul clearly felt weird about defending his credentials and that's why he does not name himself as to who had this vision but it was him Essentially, Paul had this vision of uh, the third heaven. This was to differentiate the sky, like where the birds are, and space, where the sun and stars are. So the third heaven is paradise, where God dwells. This vision took place at some point just before his first missionary journey, if you follow in the book of Acts. The interesting thing about this vision is that it was so utterly fantastic that Paul doesn't have the words to describe heaven. God gave him this vision, perhaps to inspire Paul, Uh, you suffer now, Paul, but look what awaits you. And gives Paul the reason, this is Paul, this is the reason you suffer, to tell people how they can be here for eternity. So it's an interesting thing to note is that Paul was given a vision of heaven and did not have the words to describe it. But now we have many supposed accounts of people, many including children, who supposedly experienced heaven and tell us about it. These what we call heaven tourism books, they're very suspicious to me. Um, so I typically either discount them uh, all together or hold what they say really loosely. If Paul couldn't utter words, I'm not sure a five-year-old can. I'm not saying it's beyond the realm of possibility, but it's something we should be very careful about reading those types of books. Okay, hopefully this has been helpful. We'll see your questions in the future. Just go to cornerstonebv.org. Hey, when you watch this, make sure you like, share, uh, wherever you see this. Uh, with your friends and family so they may see it as well. Hopefully we'll see you this weekend. Our services, we have three, five o'clock on Saturday, nine o'clock or 11 o'clock on Sunday. Bring your kids, bring a friend, and uh, hopefully we can enjoy worshiping God together. See you soon. God bless.